This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. This is podcast episode number 44. We're doing it on Monday, January 23rd, and this is a week that Philadelphia fans are all hype about. And uh, the guest that we have today, uh, you know, at this time, uh, Ross Tucker might be the most important guest we've ever had because he, he was on site for the two games this weekend that, that yielded uh, two of the teams that will play next week in their conference title games. Of course, he is the pride of Wyoming PA, product of Princeton University, former NFL offensive lineman, and right now might be the hardest working man in the football media. He works for CBS Sports. He's a game analyst for Westwood One's NFL radio broadcast. You hear him on uh, Sports Radio WIP. Uh, you heard him on as the color analyst on Eagles preseason games this year with Scott Graham, and he uh, hosts several podcasts on Part of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. He's got his own network. Ladies and gentlemen, they're great. Ross Tucker joins us. Hello, Ross. Mike, that was all, that was way better than what I texted Darren for you to intro. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, that was way better, man. That was a heck of an intro. I love it. Great start. Well, uh, listen, first of all, um, You've got to be the most famous guy to come out of Wyoming, PA. I mean, NFL player to Wyoming, PA, Princeton degree. You got to be the grand marshal of every freaking Thanksgiving parade they have in that town. Am I right? So you you know who's from there, right? You're messing with me right now, right? Who's from Wyoming? Who else? Taylor Swift. Oh, that's right, Tay Tay. So, oh, you- so that's like the that's like the running joke. The running joke is um. You know, I, I've played the most, you know, NFL. We've, we've had three NFL. We actually have a kid, Alex Anzalone, the starting linebacker for the Lions, who just finished his sixth year. So he might too. end Good up uh, yep. overtaking what I, was able to, what I was able to do on the field. But um, it's funny because from 2001 to 2008, while I was in the NFL, I was probably the most famous person from Wyoming, Pennsylvania, which if you're not familiar – it's just right over the bridge from Reading. In fact, like literally Schuylkill River, other side, West Reading is, is why missing school districts. So that's where I grew up. But it might have been, Mike, five or six years ago, I went to one of Taylor Swift's concerts because I know her dad. 
she lived there till she was, I don't know, maybe 14. Then she moved to Nashville to do the music thing. And I was talking to her mom and I was telling her mom, I was like, you know, I was the most famous person from Why Missing till like 2008 maybe. And then, you know, Taylor's overtaken me. And her mom, dead serious, says, well, you know, Ross, you know, just keep working. I was like, oh, I think it's over. I think I lost. Like, I'm not a quitter, Mike. I'm not someone that gives up, but I'm giving up, okay? She's like the most famous person on the planet. So um, I'm probably the most, like, t- like Grand Marshal to pray and stuff. Yeah. I'm the person that's at that level of fame where, like, I'll actually come back and eat that stuff up. Taylor's not Taylor's not showing up for the stuff that I would still show up <laughs> no, for. She's not. I forgot all about the Tay-Tay connection. So it, it was cool that you knew the family. Uh, I, I, I kind of said, like, First of all, my connection to why I'm missing is that uh, I played on a basketball team that lost the state title game. One of our our conquests was a game we beat why I'm missing at the Palestra. So I was familiar with that high school uh, way back back in the day. But I also had this grand marshal problem because uh, also uh, hailing from Bristol is a guy named Jeff Manto who played in, in major leagues. Uh, I've got no shot to topple him. And in fact, I was invited to, to the parade. I thought I was going to be the Grand Marshal. They gave me the caboose car while Jeff Manto had the lead car. <laughs> now, how about that? I didn't know. I, I knew you were a Philly guy. I never knew you were from Bristol. That's interesting. Yeah. Did you go to Bristol High School? Isn't that like a tiny high school? It's a very tiny high school. And we lost the state title game. We had a great basketball program. Uh, so it's, it's been known for basketball for, for many years, but anyway, oh, that's that, awesome. Let's, that, let's move on to, to this because th- this is so great. Now y- you are the, the, the game analyst on the, uh, Eagles Giants Saturday night game on, on the radio. I, I was listening to, to a lot of that radio broadcast. Uh, and then, and then you go to, uh, you shoot the Buffalo, the sideline reporter of the Bengals bills game. First of all, tell me, tell me how that transpires. Like, Westwood one does Westwood one have a waiting car for you to take you to the airport and then the, there's a guy that says Mr. Tucker when you land in, in Buffalo like how, how's that's a quick transition man how'd you pull it off yeah that sounds a lot better than what I did Mike I I got I hopped in my car and I got on the blue route and I took 476 north through the Lehigh Valley up to 80 west took 80 west to Williamsport drove up after four hours and uh, got a hotel room in Corning, New York, right over the border. Slept for three hours from like 4.30 to 7.30 maybe. And then uh, got up. I actually did like a push-up and plank workout and showered. I had to like do something to wake up. And then I drove the two hours from Corning to Buffalo. Got there by like 11.30. I crushed their press box food. Might have been the best of the year. It was so good. delicious and then um was on the sideline for the game you know what's so funny about that i was taking a lot of pride in my podcast last week ross tucker football podcast saying i'm the only person that'll be at both those games right well saturday night at the link i see peyton manning i'm like hey peyton what's up man like shake his hand then i'm at the game yesterday and he's there and i'm like this you know what? I don't know what we're allowed to do and not allowed to do on your podcast, yeah. but this, you know what? Yeah. And so I go up to him. I'm like, dude, you're stealing my thunder. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I said all week, I got to be the only person that's going to be at both those games. I said, but now you're here. He's like, yeah. I said, let me guess. 
you didn't drive four hours last night and stay at a hotel in Corning, New York. He's like, no, no, I did not. So, uh, yeah, it must be nice to have a private plane, Mike. Must be nice. But, no, I, dude, I think I drove 13 hours in like a 30-hour period because I drove to the link, then up. Then after the Bills game, then I drove back, and it was snowing. There were roads like North Pennsylvania, like Mansfield, they hadn't even plowed the roads. There was like an inch of snow. I'm listening to the Cowboys Niners game while I'm plowing through the snow with these trucks. I was so happy to get home last night, man. I like I said, for those of you we're we're, we're recording this right around mid like uh, right around noon. I'm going to take one of the best naps of my life as soon as we're done talking. So I'm I'm, I'm using every ounce of available energy for my guy, Mike Missinelli, who wrote my favorite book ever, before I take a nap. That is an amazing journey. I had no idea that you would have worked that hard to get to the game. I'm thinking, I, I, I guess, you know, media budgets are a little sh- shrunken these days. Well, so, so what, you know, they're not, they're not keen on, it, it might have been okay since I was sidelined, but they're not keen on flying day of game, especially to Buffalo, right? Because then they don't have that sideline yeah. person. Now, for sideline, maybe okay. They would never let the analyst do that. So yeah. I, I, th- I probably theoretically could have done that. But I also kind of like to have the control and whatever. They yeah. give you a decent uh, decent mileage per diem or whatever these days. Uh, you know, that's that's a, Listen, you're, that's why you're the hardest working man in show business. That's dedication to get the Buffalo. It's not do, work. Do. I love it. Like, I, I, I hope I ne- – I'm 43. I hope I never lose this. Like, I literally <laughs> – I thought it was cool that I got to be at both those games. I think it's like I got paid to go to both those games and enjoy them. Anytime I'm about to complain about something, I just remember that like my eighth grade self would kick my ass for complaining about what I get to do. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a, that's good small town fiber you have. That, that's what, that's what you learn. You learn values when you grow up in a small town like that. So that, that's, that's a very cool story. So now let's talk about, the, this whole thing. And, and first I got to take you back because you're obviously doing Eagles preseason games. And, and one of the main themes that we talked about all year was, wow, we didn't really expect this. So when you looked at that preseason Eagle team, did you have any notion that it would lead to this? No, I thought they would be good. I did not think they would be this good. And that's primarily because I didn't think Jalen Hurts would play this well, right? Like, I knew they had the best O-line in the league. And I knew the D-line was going to be good. And I thought A.J. Brown would be a pretty darn good addition. Um, I'm not sure I thought, like, Bradbury would be this good. I thought Reddick would be good, but not like this. I mean, every move that Howie made has seemingly... um, Turned out wonderful, which is amazing. But also, you know, Mike, I'm not sure Jalen Hurts was a top 20 quarterback last year in 2021. He's probably like, I could go back and look at different people's rankings, but I don't think they had him as a top 20 quarterback. I think he was somewhere between 20 and 25. So there's no way anybody, even Jalen Hurts or his dad, thought he would go from being the 20th to 25th best quarterback in the NFL to being second in the MVP voting. That's the biggest difference. I thought he could be top 15 this year. And then if he was top 15, Eagles would win double-digit games, maybe win the division, 
maybe win a playoff game, maybe even two. But no, I did not expect them to have the best record in the league to be 15 and one with him as a star. And he's the biggest difference because the other stuff I, I could kind of foresee, but not hurts getting this much better in one year. It's clearly evident that, uh, everything they do revolves around him. And uh, they came into the playoffs as kind of this mystery because the last three games, we didn't know really what to think. Two of them were played by Minshew, and then it was against the JB Giants, and and apparently he was still hurting. So we really had, had no idea what to expect with him. But then you saw the game, and they were just completely dominant. And so my question, I guess, is uh, did what we see in that first game against the Giants – bring us back to when they were really rolling as the best team in the NFC or is it a little diluted because the Giants clearly didn't have the same verve that they had the week before they were they they just didn't look like the same team and they were totally outclassed so how do you evaluate that I think it's the former I, I think the Eagles are back to being the team they were most of the year which is the best team in football I I really do I mean you get Lane back you have Jalen Hurts fully healthy. They're totally refreshed. They come flying out of the gate. You know, when they get a lead on people, they're tough, which is why I think that's by far the most important aspect of the game against the Niners. Probably two things, right? Like, if the Eagles get a lead and the Niners have to have drop back passing, good luck. That's not what their O-line does well. That's not what Purdy does well. Niners have to play with the lead. Niners have to run the football. But, yeah, I think the Eagles really are that good. I mean, I said it all year, and they might lose Sunday or they might not win the Super Bowl. But, Mike, you're older than me, but this is the best Eagles team I've ever seen. Um, Top to bottom, talent. I mean, think about this, okay? They have the best O-line in the NFL. They led the – they set the franchise record for sacks, led the NFL. It's the best receivers they've ever had. It's the best corners I think they've ever had. I mean, they're just, they're a loaded, loaded team. But, you know, these are not, this is not the NBA. It's not a seven-game series. Anything can happen in a one-game situation. So we'll see what happens this game and potentially the Super Bowl. But I think it's the best Eagles team I can ever remember seeing. And I played against the early 2000s teams that were obviously really, really talented as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I've been saying that, um, since the beginning of the season, they, they had an answer for, for anything that uh, the opposition would do. And that's really a unique team when you're that versatile and, uh, and you're certainly versatile enough to do that and just control almost every game they were in. So so now let's look at, at this one because this is a really interesting game. Now, last week, you know, they looked at what the Giants were doing. They said, all right, Giants are going to go double deep safety. So we're going to just run the ball down the throat. And they just crushed them. And they crushed them because they had a better offensive line than they had a defensive line or linebackers. And it was just completely evident. So now this is this really interesting defensive team that comes to Philadelphia. Number one ranked defense, a lot faster than a lot of defenses they, they have played. So um, when you look at that matchup of the Eagles offensive line, which is a major strength versus what the 49ers do defensively, can they do the same things that they did against the Giants? Yeah, I think I think they need to run right at them um, because I think that they're so fast. Their linebackers, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, those guys can fly. And they chase down a lot of things. 
So I think the Eagles need to pound them and run it right up the middle, give the ball to Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. I think the more lateral stuff the Eagles would try to do, the more that plays into who the 49ers are. I also don't think the Niners' corners are great. And I know they're okay, and Lenore had an interception yesterday, and they really think Charvarius Ward's good, but they're not like Slay and Bradbury. They're not those type of guys. And I would expect the Eagles to be able to take advantage of those one-on-one matchups if that happens, right? Here's the dilemma when you play the Eagles. If you have two deep safeties, you're a man short in the running game because Hurts can run. So usually, back in the day, you'd put that got that safety in the box and you'd have an extra guy. You know, the offense would only have, you know, five guys and the tight end, the block, six guys in the block, and you'd have seven guys in there. And then, so one of those guys can just easily make the tackle of the running back or whatever, right? Now, if you put a safety in the box, you're just even then with the number count because the quarterback's a threat. If you keep two deep safeties, you're down a man. Well, okay, so what do you say then? You got to put the safety in there. All right, so you put the safety in there. Well, figure out a defense where you put a safety in, in, in the box and you have a single high safety in the middle of the field where he's able to really give help way on the outside of the two corners. You just can't, whether it's cover three zone or man-to-man, you just can't do it like that. A safety in the middle of the field can't help the corners on a lot of those routes. So everything the Eagles do, like all these RPOs, Mike, when, you know, Jalen will put the ball in Miles Sanders' belly, maybe he pulls it and runs it, maybe he pulls it and throws it. Everything they do, they are putting certain defenders stressed. They're putting stress on certain guys. They can't be right. I mean, you're a linebacker. You see Miles Sanders going that way, Hurts going that way. And by the way, sometimes when Hurts goes that way, he then flicks it out and throws it. So you, you're you're necessarily going to be a step late one direct, like wherever the ball is going, you're necessarily going to be a step late one way or the other. So there's a mismatch no matter how the 49ers decide to play this is what you're saying. Yeah, I think the Eagle, I don't want to say they have an uh, indefensible offense, but they put defenses in a real, real bind where it's hard for those second level guys to be right to be right and to make sure they're not late. They might be right, but even if they're right with who has the ball, where it's going, all of the other stuff going on, all of the action, it it, it just causes them to wait half a second. And anybody that's ever played at that level can tell you like a fraction of a second, like that's the difference. I mean, Mike, like I started a bunch of games my first four years and I had a back surgery And it made me like a little bit less explosive. But what I tell people is like, I was average to begin with. So you make me, I lose a little bit. Now I'm below it. That's the difference. Like that's the difference between starting and being a backup or being a backup and being out of the league. That's the difference between the running back getting through the hole or getting caught. I mean, that's, it's very small differences that you're dealing with out there. So if you get the guy to hesitate, even for a split second, that might be the difference between whether or not He's able to get over there to make the tackle. I'm talking to the great uh, Ross Tucker. You can uh, you get him at, uh, at Ross Tucker NFL. 
Uh, and uh, you're familiar with his work. From, uh, obviously, the Eagles, the pregame shows, all you Eagle fans are listening out there. But he's just all over the place, Westwood One and Football Broadcast. So we've seen a lot of football this year. Uh, we, you just brought up offensive linemen. So let me let me stay with that. Uh, Lane Johnson survived that game. And look, like, early on, like he, he was tweaked. Uh, and, and and he man, I mean, this he's, this guy's one of the toughest guys I've ever seen. And he he finishes that game, but the um, 49ers again a, a, a different animal. So um, how do you think he now survives this game with the 49ers knowing what he's got and what he's dealing with? By the way, I don't know if you saw this, Mike, but there was at least one play where the Giants put Dexter Lawrence at 350 pounds over lane and just had him bull rush him as hard as he could because think about this like this is like pro football is not for the faint of heart okay when when you have a core muscle injury like a tear I had that my senior year of college I had to get surgery at Rutgers after the season I played with a core injury the whole season uh, a sports hernia deal which is a tear in your abdominal wall right your your power against the bull rush comes from your core and your butt and legs, but your core, right? You really need to lock in your core when they're trying to bull rush you. Well, he's got a tear there. So the Giants say, all right, let's put the strongest dude in the league over him, 350 pounds, and let's have him bull rush his butt. Let's just find out how torn that muscle really is. I mean, it's this is big boy football. That's what they're going to try to do. Um, I'd actually rather him go against Bosa, who's better with his hands and better with movement as opposed to just a straight bull rush. I think he'll be okay. They told me that he practiced hard last week, which surprised me a little bit because I was able to play in the games. And then for a couple of days afterwards, man, I was like sore and just I kind of felt like the rest of my body was carrying around my right leg, which is where my tear was. Um, but they they wanted him to have confidence going into that game. So they had Lane practice hard last week because they wanted to make sure he was feeling good about himself Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, so um, now let's let's look at, at the uh, at the other side of this now, because uh, when you look at the 49ers defense, I mean, w- w- one of the things that the, the Dallas Goddard is just a man uh, right now. Uh, and and see, he's a major weapon. Um they pre- they can pretty much cover him a lot better than some teams can because of how fast their linebackers are. Uh, is is that an advantage for the 49ers because they're they're so so fast? Can they negate Goddard? Yeah, so I think that's what they'll do. There aren't many linebackers that can cover Dallas Goddard, but Fred Warner is probably the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. So that's a major advantage for them over other teams that they can put a guy like Warner on a guy like Goddard and feel good about it. I guess I still kind of like the idea of of Goddard in one-on-one situations just because of how big he is and how physical he is at the catch point. Even if Warner's fast enough to stay with him, I still kind of like the idea of giving the ball to Goddard and giving him a chance. I still don't think people realize how good Goddard is because he was hurt. And because they give the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith so much, Goddard is – I mean, the Eagles think he's like the second-best tight end in the NFL behind uh, behind Kelsey. I don't blame him. I, I, you know, that's – Kittle versus Goddard is interesting because Kittle gets all the pub, but Goddard, I think some people think might be better. 
I, conversely, can the Eagles cover Kittle? That's going to be tough. That's the concern. Because he and Purdy, I don't know why, but he and Purdy have this, this great connection. And you know the Eagles are going to be geared up for the run. So then when they throw the ball, I would like to see them put Gardner-Johnson on Kittle a lot as a safety. I don't think they're going to trust like a TJ Edwards or a Kaiser White. Plus the Eagles play a lot of zone anyway. Um, it'll just be interesting though because the Niners are going to have to run the ball. So the Eagles are going to be so geared up to stop the run, at least you'd think they would be, that you wonder if Kittle can get them, you know, getting behind the second level on some of those crossing routes. Uh, let's look at the two quarterbacks here. And we talked about Hurts a lot, but I guess the one strategy you would have to use against Hurts is you would blitz him because the numbers say against the blitz, he's not as effective. So um, do you expect, in the way you defeat that, you run right at him, as you said before. So uh, how do you think that plays out? Would they, would they blitz him a little more than they blitz the other quarterbacks? I would. Yeah, I would. I mean, he's been pretty good against the blitz, but there are times where he doesn't look comfortable and he'll do that thing where he starts to roll out to the right right away and tries to buy time. Um, I don't think as good as the Niners front is, I don't know that they're getting pressure on Hertz with a four-man rush against this Eagles offensive line. I'm so curious to see how D'Amico Ryans plays it in this game. Now they played 95% zone against the Cowboys. So uh, they, they prefer to play zone if they can. And if that's the case, you're probably not blitzing that much. You're probably thinking you can get there with a straight rush. We'll see. Good luck. Eagles offensive line is awfully good. All right. Now let's look at Purdy. Cause I, I need to get, uh, you know, your expertise on what, what you're seeing with this kid. And I, last two games, I, I've looked at him early and he looked like he was a little skittish. And then all of a sudden he just, he makes some throws and he uses the middle of the field and that's where he's, he's best. Uh, and, and he seems to be impervious. He's got this little boy mentality about him. I, I can't figure out whether he's the type of guy that would be jumpy. He's played two playoff games at home. Would, would he be jumpy in it coming here to, to play a game against the Eagles in this kind of an atmosphere? You know, I don't think it's going to affect him because uh, Mike, I mean, you can appreciate this. I swear he was Iowa State's quarterback for like seven years. I mean, for like at least six <laughs> years watching Iowa State football games. Every time Iowa State was like, oh, Iowa State might beat Oklahoma. Big game. I'd turn it on. Like I'd flip over there. It's late in the game. Purdy's starting. Or Iowa State's going to knock off Texas. Purdy's. I mean, he's played in a lot of big time. I mean, obviously not same level of competition. But, you know, you, you're playing at Texas, at Oklahoma. You're playing in some pretty impressive environments. Even at Iowa, that's a big rivalry. I don't think that part of it's going to bother him. I think Hassan Reddick is going to bother him. I think I think some of the Eagles defenders, especially, they're just not a good drop back passing team. They don't want to do that with the guys up front. They don't want to do that with Purdy. So important that the Eagles get a lead and or get them in Obvious passing downs, third and long. Get him in those type of situations where they have to throw the ball because he's really good off of play action and on the boots, but not nearly as good when when he has to pass. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's take a look at the other game quickly. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bills go down. It's almost sad 
to see them go down the, the way they did. But uh, the, everybody feels that yeah. way. Everybody. That was my favorite team I played for. I feel that way. Those people were stunned yesterday. I was. I mean, I, I was surprised. The Bengals totally handled it. Yeah, uh, and you, you're kind of obviously at field level, and you can see that, that firsthand in the snow and all that. Uh, but the Chiefs now are in a really interesting situation. It's one thing to play with a high ankle sprain through the rest of that game where you're all you, the adrenaline can carry you through. Uh, you know, the MRI is what the MRI is. It's a high ankle sprain. I, I don't know of any high ankle sprains that are 100% the next week. Uh, so, well, how much of that plays into this game with the Chiefs and the Bengals? And the Bengals already have their number. So, uh, who do you expect to come out on top in this game? By the way, Mike, side note, Chad Henney, the backup quarterback for the Chiefs, he's from Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. However, it, however, he went to Wilson High School like Kerry Collins. So, he, I, I was asking about this a couple years ago. He was two houses away. From being why missing, he, li- he, he literally his address is why missing. Two houses away, he's at Wilson West Lawn, which is like the you know the the big powerhouse school. We're like the small school that's good. Um, so I always give him crap about that. Uh, again, the, by the way, twice in three years he had to come off the bench in the playoffs and kind of like save the day and play well. But to your point about Mahomes, first of all, that D coordinator for the Bengals, Lou Anarumo. I never even heard of him until last year. Total stud. Going to have a great plan for the Chiefs. And the problem is, it's not easy for anybody to be somebody you're not. Mahomes is a scramble around, buy time with his legs, making credit. He's not going to have that. I mean, he's going to try to like be like Peyton Manning, you know, or Brady, I'm sure, and get rid of the ball. And Rumo's not going to let them get rid of the ball fast. They're going to get up on these receivers because they're not as fr- there's no Tyreek Hill. They're going to make Mahomes hold the ball. The longer he holds the ball, the more chance the rush gets there. Then he has to move. I think they want him to move. I think they want him to try to move. Maybe he aggravates it. Maybe I, I think it's a tough spot. I would be so impressed by Mahomes and the Chiefs if they get that done against the Bengals team that has no fear whatsoever so you like the Bengals in this game oh yeah 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 i, I think it's a Bengals eagles super bowl Ooh. i really do now you know what's funny though that's also those are the two teams that both dominated this weekend right so you get that in your head like oh the eagles killed the giants the Bengals beat the bills so that has nothing to do with what happens the next game we know that but uh certainly if i had to put money on it and i might it'd be Bengals eagles all right but, but by the way speaking of chad henney did you play in the Big 33 game in Pennsylvania? Did I? Yeah. No, I boycott that because they didn't pick me. I boycott oh, oh, that oh, you boycott. game. <laughs> so the, the two quarterbacks in that game, one was Chad Henney, the other was Anthony Morello. Uh, Morelli. Yes. Yeah, they were the two the top quarterbacks in Pennsylvania. And Penn- Well, you know, you know, Penn State thought Henney was going there. Yes. they wanted, and, then he, and then he decided to go to Michigan. They wanted Henney. And, then, he got, and then Penn State wanted Morelli. And they took Morelli as like a – as the, like the second choice, <laughs> Henny broke their heart. Yeah, and went for Michigan. sure. And then and then Henny started every game for four years at Michigan and broke every record they ever had. Yeah, and Morelli didn't fare too well, uh, as I remember. So, your career, did Penn State recruit you? Uh, two. I got two handwritten letters from a guy named Jerry Sandusky asking Oof. me to uh, asking me to walk on. So I was only two ten my junior year of high school. So my scholarships, Mike, were – I got full ride to William & Mary in Delaware. 
I almost went to Delaware because my sister went there. My uncle Mike played for Tubby Raymond there and one Ash. Plus, I had visited my sister a couple of times in the sorority house. So when they offered me a scholarship, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to Delaware. And my <laughs> sister said, if you can go to Princeton or Harvard from Why Missing because of football, you better not go to Delaware. She's like, she said basically, if you go to Princeton or Harvard, you'll be able to get girls the rest of your life. <laughs> Forget the four years in Delaware. You'll be good the rest of your life. So that's why I went to Princeton. It's funny, though, because my rookie year in Washington, it was like LeVar was there, Sarah Melly, Mike Sarah Melly from Allentown, Kenny Watson from Harrisburg. And they were all telling me, like, Ross, you would have been like, you and Kareem would have been our, our two best offensive linemen. You would have started for us for like three years. I was like, la, 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 I can't hear you. I can't Because that was, you know, I grew up with season tickets. That was my dream. But, you know, when you're a, a late bloomer and they ask you to walk on, you just figure you're not good enough. And, you know, I, I was kind of over at that point. Like, I, I didn't want to go walk on somewhere. I will say this, and I've told James Franklin this, Mike, multiple times. If, like, Paterno had called me and been like, hey, we really want you here, that would have been tough to turn down. And they've done a much better job of that under Franklin they now get walk-ons like Jan Johnson. He's from Reading. He's from yeah. Governor Mifflin High School. Mm -hmm. Same high school as Nick Singleton, who's a total freak of nature that they were telling me about when he was in eighth grade. Um, but nowadays, Franklin is really good at getting the in-state kids to come as preferred walk-ons that have scholarship offers or can go to Ivy League or Patriot League because you never know. I've given him so many examples of guys like me that end up, end up going to the NFL that would have gone to Penn State if they just said we wanted you, you know? Yeah. Well, you got a Princeton degree, man, which meant you, you paid a lot of attention in your high school classes. Yeah, which I haven't used once. I mean, people say to my parents, <laughs> oh, Ross Tucker, yeah, he's the press box food video guy. Or oh, he's the guy that posts pictures of his beer on something. My parents are like, great, great. <laughs> Glad we paid the full thing for you to go to Princeton to be the press box food video guy. So um, Dude, you... this summer, this summer I'm doing a speaking engagement at uh, in Hershey to the Pennsylvania Neurosurgeon Convention. I can't oh wait to tell my parents. I can't wait to tell. Oh my, them. I'm giving a, I'm giving a speech to the Neurosurgeon Society or whatever. When you could pull a Princeton degree out of your pocket. You're ahead of the game, man. I don't care. What, you know, what, what food? No, you know what? This is so, it's so funny you say this. This is why I tell people to go, go to places like that. First of all, I could get a job in like other industries in a heartbeat, right? But also, everything I say, like on the radio or whatever, people think it's smarter than it really is because <laughs> I went to Princeton. <laughs> like, like, it's like it frames every conversation you have for the rest of your life. Like, hey, I'll man. say something, people be like, yeah, yeah, man, I totally get that. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, if I went somewhere else, they'd be like, what the heck's this guy talking about? <laughs> you know, that's not a bad thing to have in life, brother, I'll tell you. Uh, all right, let, let me venture off a little bit, because I've always been flattered by you saying that the book I wrote, which is The Perfect Season, which is, since you grew up a Penn State fan, that the, the last time they won a national championship was obviously 1986, but there was such a backdrop to that season and that game, because they beat Miami. So it's, it, it lives forever. 
And in fact, I wrote the book because I thought it would live forever. I, I figured they're not going to win another championship ever, another national championship. So this is going to have a good shelf life. Uh, so so what, did, what did you enjoy most about the book that I wrote called The Perfect Season about that uh, undefeated season 86 where they, they upset Miami, one of the greatest upsets ever? Yeah, so I don't want I don't want you to feel old, Mike, but you know, I was seven years old that year. But it was eighty-five or eighty-four. Well, I didn't write it in eighty-six for crying out loud. I, I wrote it twenty years later. So <laughs> I uh I my parents like I tell people this, God's honest truth. First memory of my life, I might have been five years old in eighty-four or, or six in eighty-five when my parents took me to my first Penn State game. And you have to understand, my dad's 5'9", a buck 70, got cut from the high school basketball team and was like county golf champion, right? Never played football. He takes me to a Penn State game. I go up the steps at Beaver Stadium, and I look at the field, and it's like the greenest grass I've ever seen, and I see the uniforms, and I kid you not, I looked at my parents and I said, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Like, this is what I'm going to be. So I was a diehard immediately, okay? I remember after that game, Blair Thomas was walking through and I got Blair Thomas autograph. So that year or the next year, they lose the Orange Bowl to Oklahoma and I'm devastated. I'm at the age where I still think my parents can, like, fix everything, fix something. So they're losing to Oklahoma and I'm like, Dad! They're gonna do like do something, do something, Dad. <laughs> like, and they lost that game. So then the next year, they had so many close games, which by the way never should have been that close. But they had so many close games. They win. I love Shane Conlon. I'd be in the backyard. I would tie up my shirt or sweatshirt like the Penn State linebackers did to have my belly out. Love DJ. Do- I mean, I went to minor league baseball games to talk to DJ Dozier about about Penn State football so that season was just magical it was like my second year where I was really into it and then I felt like I knew the players I'd met some of them and then they play Miami who by the way still has one of the most talented teams of all time I mean Michael Irvin and Alonzo Highsmith and Testa Verde and Daniel Stubbs and Jerome Brown like the reality is Penn State had no business winning that game they had like they had like two guys from that team that even started a game in the NFL or something. Wow, that would be, you know what you should do, Mike. Well, you probably did it with the two, but I would love to see like NFL rosters from that game, NFL starts because it's not even close. But Sandusky, give him credit, he had a great plan for Testaverde, threw a bunch of picks, and uh, I still get chills. I still get chills thinking about that. When they won that game, they let me stay up for the whole game, and it was just, you know, the, the Miami won, wore the fatigues and Penn State's, like, blue, uh, you know, the white collar, whatever, wearing their suits. It was just... It was, it was almost good versus evil subplot. It was. It was good versus evil, and, like, I'll never forget. I think after the game, they interviewed, like, Ray Isom, okay? Yeah. This like tiny safety, little guy from Harrisburg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and he said, he said, they said we were too small, but we killed him. We killed him. It was, it was. Uh, I mean, they just they let the Miami kids catch it, and then they would just hit the crap out of them. 
it was awesome. It was it was uh, awesome. And so your book for me, yeah, they shook Irvin that way too. They they cracked Irvin over the middle early in that game, and and he was kind of reluctant the rest of the game. My favorite story. You like this because you're an offensive lineman. Uh, you know, when I start talking to people about this book and that that whole dynamic when they when they finally got to Arizona and the the fatigues and all that stuff. Uh, I, I I was talking to Art Kehoe, who was the offensive line coach for for Miami that year. He's he's a local guy, and he's telling me the story. Was, I mean, if you remember the game, Miami uh, at the end really started plowing them. They were running the ball with Highsmith, and they they got him. It's fourteen to ten. They get to the five yard line, and so they call timeout, and uh, Testaverde comes over, and Jimmy Johnson goes, "All right, we're going to run Highsmith here," and uh, and and Testaverde goes, "No, I'm not running it." He goes, what are you talking about? He goes, we're destroying him up front. We're going we're gonna to run the ball here. It's first at the five uh, or second at the five-yard line. He goes, I'm not running it because he had thrown five, four interceptions. They wanted to go out in a blaze of glory and throw a touchdown pass. And so Jimmy goes, Vinny, 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 we're going to run the football. He goes, no, I'm not. And he walks away from him, and he gave him the hand wave, like, forget you. And he, he goes into the huddle, and he, call, he calls a pass play. He said, the offense – but Arkeo is somebody's story. He goes, my guys revolt in the huddle. Every offensive lineman that I had go, Vinny, what the F are you doing? We're going to run the football here. They don't want to run the play. He goes, no, we're, we're throwing it. <laughs> Just he gets sacked. And now, and now they get back to the 10-yard line where they have to throw it. And, of course, he throws incomplete to the right, and the – the other, the, the final pass is intercepted by Pete Gathopoulos. But those are the kind of stories that you just can't make up. And all those Miami guys were willing to tell it, Ross. It was amazing because they were so bitter about it. Yeah, I, that that that's incredible. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, one last thing. I got to ask you about myfrontpagestory.com. Tell, tell me what that's about. Yeah, so I, I'm only doing this because my buddy started the company and it's killing it. And you, as a guy that wrote, will appreciate this. I'm, I'm 100% sincerity. It's the best Valentine's Day gift of all time. It's a story written all about your wife, your girlfriend, whoever, by a professional writer. So you literally, you talk to the writer. You can do it. You fill out an email if you want. Or you can talk to the writer for 10 minutes. They write this awesome story about her. You send in a couple pictures. And then it's framed beautiful, looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, Philadelphia Daily News or the Inquirer, whatever. Looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper. I've seen so many women open these now, Mike, and they open it and they're like, what is this? And then the husband can say, I wanted something special, honey, so I had a story written about you. Like that just, no, they don't even know that that's a thing. That just, like you had a story written about me? It sounds like the most like romantic thing yeah. ever, right? Like you would ask the way to have a story like, like you commissioned a writer to write something about me. And then when they read the story, I don't know why it is, but they read the story and they see the quotes. Like I never thank her enough for all the little things she does for me and the kids. They cry every time. Like they literally cry every time. There's something about like reading it and like, oh, he notices. <laughs> he notices when I do the little things. Like it's amazing, man. Like don't get like flowers or some BS. Myfrontpagestory.com. I guarantee your wife or whoever, girlfriend, fiance, I don't care who it is. I, I guarantee they love it. Myfrontpagestory.com. Wow, that's a great idea. Myfrontpagestory.com. And you make her cry. And, and that buys you a lot of In a good way. Good how way. Much is that, that, how much clout does that buy you? How long, how long does that clout last after she gets the story? I'm so glad you just asked that. But you know how it's framed? 
they put it up in the house. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. So then the next time you get in an argument about something stupid and she's giving you crap, you go, oh, really? Did you have a story written about me? You just point to it on the wall. Oh, really? Because I don't remember. Did you have a story written about me? Because I, I didn't get it. Is it in the mail still? Because I had a story written about you from myfrontpagestory.com. So the, the answer to your question, Mike, is it's forever. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Oh, uh, you're absolutely right. That breaks her down right away. What, what, what response could she possibly have? Oh, you're right. I'll take. Don't worry. I'll take out the trash cans tonight. I'm, I'm good. Mike, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm glad we got to catch up. Ross, it's awesome. Your, your final score uh, uh, on the Sunday is what? Um, that's a good one. Uh. 23-17, Birds. 23-17. Eagles go to the Super Bowl for the second time in six years. Ross Tucker at Ross Tucker NFL. Ross, thanks a million, man. We appreciate it. We'll, t- we'll touch base up the road. It's the Mike Yusinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All right. Thanks so much to Ross Tucker. That was a delightful conversation. And, and listen, he's been around. He likes the Eagles in this game. And he likes them to cover. Point spread right now, one and a half, maybe two. I... I I don't know what it's going to be by game time. It's definitely going to be Eagles' toughest test. And to me, uh, you know, this is the first time this kid will have played. I understand he faced Oklahoma and and a lot of those schools and some pressure situations. This is the NFL playoffs, the NFC title game on the road. He doesn't have that experience yet. So that's where I think the Eagles have a slight edge. A little later, I'll have my prediction because I got to think this one through a little bit. But let's just. Look at some tidbits uh, over over the last weekend and uh, some things that that stood out. You know the Buffalo Bills. I feel sorry for them, and, and I'm not sure why. Uh, probably because of the the emotional baggage that they had to go through for the last couple of weeks, and and they they were probably wrung out a little bit. And they, that that other team was ready for them, and, and Buffalo was not. They they just they just weren't ready for for that kind of intensity that the Bengals brought in that game. Uh, and they limped out, frankly. And, uh, you know, again, uh, we, we talk about not winning a lot here. The Buffalo Bills are kind of a snake-bitten franchise at that point, uh, not being able to get over the hump. And I don't know how they get over the hump. I mean, is the, do, do they need a coaching change? I mean, you know, McDermott's been there for, for a really long time now. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes you need to, to, to give a jolt to get you over the top. I don't know if that's the way they feel. Uh, but but I did kind of kind of feel feel bad for him, and I, and I felt bad for Josh Allen. Uh, I I like Josh Allen as a quarterback, and at one point he was probably the best quarterback in the league. Uh, and then he kind of fell off with the inconsistency and the interceptions this year. He's going to have to button that down. But I felt bad because uh, Stephon Diggs started yelling at him on the sideline. That, my man is feeling really bad. He's sitting down and to his credit, he didn't get up and, and, and demolish digs because I would have, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm playing in the snow. It's not quite working. We get through this emotional and, and this diva wide receiver going to give me a bunch of shit here. Uh, come on, man. Uh, and digs by all counts is a pretty good teammate, but uh, I thought that was a, a little out of line uh, for him to, to go by and, and it went viral and it makes the guy look foolish. And, and Josh Allen's credit ignored it. You know, he kept, he looked down. He didn't even he didn't even look up. Um, all right, so um, let's look now at uh, at Joe Burrow, and I'm doing this for uh, my producer Darren's benefit. Who's you know he's got a Burrow's his BFF, uh, and so uh, Darren at this point is ready to proclaim Joe Burrow as the best quarterback in the NFL at this point. 
Uh, are you sticking with that? I am. And I think he's elevated his game to the point where it's clear. I think the other part about him, and there's a conversation to have. Mahomes is always in the conversation. Josh Allen's in the conversation. The other thing with Burrow that always impressed me is his style of play. To me, the position will always be played within the pocket. You can have your running quarterbacks go bananas, this or that. But his game and the way he plays it projects to longevity. Uh, you know, there's always freak injuries. He's already had an ACL, but his type of quarterback play projects longevity. He's going to be in the league a long time. The guy makes every throw in the book. He's really smart, can use his legs to his to a bit. Uh, but, I mean, he makes every throw in the book. He is, as my dad used to say, he has ice water in his veins, as cool as it gets. Big win, big loss, he's the same. Great leader. He's like a Jalen Hurts in his leadership ability. In fact, you know, Ross said Cincinnati, Philadelphia in the Super Bowl. That's been my pick for the last month. What a quarterback matchup it's going to be if it comes through of Hertz and Burrow. Just two great leaders. All right. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready to go number one on Burrow, but uh, you know, the, the, the playoffs have a special influence on who you're going to elevate. Uh, uh, rank your top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now, because I'm, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm going to go Mahomes, Burrow. Um, and, and then you can fill in the blanks from there. Who you got? All right. Well, Burrow's one. Oh, geez. I wasn't ready for this. Burrow one. I think I would still give the edge to Mahomes at two, but Allen's right there at three for me. Um, geez, I would, at this point right now, the way they're playing, I think I got to put Hertz in there. Um, at you, by the way, you touched on, you're hitting on one of my three questions for you today here, but, uh, oh, okay. Hertz, Hertz go four. Five. I'm trying to think of somebody I really like. Um, west, south. I'm running through it here. North, um, east, uh, AFC. Um, geez, gosh, who would be a fifth? Oh man, on potential. AFC West. Who is there in the AFC West? I mean, you know, I, I will say this. I, I'm not going to give you an absolute fifth, but I'm going to give you a guy that's in the top ten who's really getting dragged through the mud right now. Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. He's a smart quarterback. He's had a million and five different offensive coordinators and a, and a handful of different head coaches over the last. But he's really talented, and he's a great leader. I don't think he gets enough respect. But I put Carr up there, uh, certainly. I don't know if I put him number five, but I can get, definitely give you my top four. We'll go um, Burrow, Mahomes. Allen Hurts. Justin Herbert? I like Herbert a lot. You know what? I, Trevor I, Lawrence? I'll go Herbert five. Definitely. Definitely Justin Trevor, Herbert. Trev, Trevor Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence is the guy I was thinking of based on potential. I think he has the potential to be there. He's not there yet. Still makes way too many bad decisions. I'm going to give you a sleeper. Keep your eye on him. Herbert, I'm going number five right now, but go ahead. I frankly discovered this guy, and I'll, I'll go to my grave saying I discovered him. Kenny Pickett. Okay. He, 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 he. Uh, I went to a Pitt-Penn State game several years ago. Right. Uh, Pitt almost beat him. They should have beat him. Pat Narduzzi made a, cl- a, a terrible coaching mistake in yeah. the game. And I looked at both quarterbacks. And I go, Pitt's got a pro. Penn State does not. When was the last time Penn State did? <laughs> and at the time, I said, what's the difference between Kenny Pickett and Joe Burrow as far as the way they approach the game? Watch out. I, Watch out for the fella. I liked what I saw out of Pickett at the end of the year. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Um, he, you know, he makes good throws mm-hmm. at, at big moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And a good sleeper pick. I, it's not bad, but I'm definitely going – I forgot about Herbert. Definitely Herbert, number five. 
All right. Uh, another t- uh, thing that stuck out to me that has been reported on it was a brawl. Cowboy fans are fighting each other. They had a watch party uh, at the stadium, and uh, they, they they had a brawl. The Dallas Cowboy fans are beating each other up uh, out of frustration. I saw that. Um, yeah. It, it gives me uh, – not a lot. It, listen, I'm not one of those guys that hates the Cowboys. They think when you hate the Cowboys, you give them too much respect. You give them too much attention. And to me, they're, they're, they don't deserve that kind of attention. So I kind of stay away from the cowboy hate. But I got to admit, when the camera shoots up to Jerry Jones and uh, and that whole crew he's got out there, uh, it, it really delights me. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, that, that guy has been trying for years to win, and they they don't win. Okay. And, Did you happen to see his postgame interview? No, I, you know, he, he, he threw it all on Dak, he, all on the quarterback. Yeah. He, he, all on the quarterback. Whatever. Yeah. They, they're just uh, dysfunctional. And the, when you're dysfunctional, you're not, yes. you're not going to be able to win. Uh, and I, I, I take great delight in the fact that Cowboys fans are trying to beat each other up uh, in frustration uh, over that whole game. But, but I love, I love to see Jerry uh, when they shoot up there and, and he's, he's got angst. Yeah, you know, he's got. The- they don't show them far enough when they're losing, as they do when they're winning. I mean, come on, we want to see the angst too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't. So, 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 bye, bye. Now, here's what one thing I, I that's connected to it because um, I, I don't like to give this guy any attention. I had a storied uh, confrontation with him live on the radio. I don't understand the success of certain people in the media business, and I have never understood the success of Skip Bayless. Um, but like he. I started to think because he tweets out this this cowboy bravado and, and why we're coming to get you Philly. I mean, they didn't even win, they didn't even win the game to get to Philly. How do you feel about media people who become fanboys? First of all, I, I'm glad you asked me this question because I've been thinking a lot about this this morning, particularly Bayless because he threw he did some stupid bullshit about him throwing his Dak jersey in the trash, which is all an act. I wonder about people. Now, you know me well. You've known me for a long time. I'm certainly not someone that cares if people like me or not. But I do wonder about a person a person who's okay with getting, with getting success out of purposely – I mean, this is, you know, this is a, uh, an act. This is a uh, – you know, he, he is – like, why would you want to be disliked? like that like he purposely does this to make himself unlikable because that's the only way he can be successful and that to me is a flaw it's a personality flaw but i don't like fanboys in the media at all if you're first of all if you're a fanboy you're an entertainer you're not a journalist the one of the biggest problems i see right now is the blurring of that line you know the journalist fanboys yeah, well, that works, though. The blurring of that line works with a certain semblance of the fan base because the fan base wants to think that the media guy is on their side. So uh, I, the, th- the thing about uh, – I get it. The Bayless has found a formula. Rush Limbaugh found the same formula. So, like, it, that's just uh, – some people can do it. Some people can't. I, I'd never be able to do it that way. I would have to be true to myself, and I couldn't be a phony. Uh, but the, well, I'm talking about, like, he covered the Dallas Cowboys as a reporter for a lot of years. And uh, I, you know, and this is my curse, and, and a lot of my strength comes from it. Uh, I started out as a reporter, and uh, I had to detach myself from uh, the fan aspect of it to the point where I could present something objectively uh, that I thought worked for me. 
uh, he did the same thing. But now he, he's like a Dallas Cowboy fan, which I, I don't know what he gets out of that, but I guess he gets something out of it. The other one is Greenberg, who also was a reporter, worked a, as a reporter. And I, I, uh, and, and I like Mike Greenberg. It's not that I dislike him. I, I just don't understand why he thinks there's value in him parading his Jets fandom uh, over national audience. I, I just don't get it. Uh, some people get it. Some people like it. I guess Jets fans like the fact that he advocates for the Jets. And right. Dallas Cowboy fans like that, that Bayless advocates. And I advocate for the Eagles in my own particular way. But I try to stay objective about it. Right. Well, ne- like national networks like ESPN will – you know, there are certain fan bases they know they can get a jolt out of by either ignoring them or ripping them uh, or, you know, he knows he's clued in that the, most of the country is either a Dallas fan or they hate Dallas. So he goes, well, all right, well, I'm going to be this Dallas guy, have everybody, you know, increase the amount of people to, to hate me more. And, and that's like his 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 business model. I'm going to be the dislikable analyst because. Uh, I'm going to say things that are going to piss people off, and I'm going to root for the team that pisses most of the country off because their fans do. And I think it's calculated. I really do. I think it's completely calculated, everything he does. Because, and again, I'm like you. I would rather be true. Like, you're very successful in your career. You probably could have gone that route to, you know, to be someone who's yeah. hated or, you know. I, I, I can't, you see. I don't like the man uh, personally. I, I I just don't like uh, anything he's about. But uh, if That's you are, I mean. uh, if money is the most important thing in your life, he's found a formula that makes him a lot of money. I mean, that, a guy like that making eight million dollars a year is just like it makes me barf. Yeah. But the fact is, he found a formula. He goes, you can think what you want about me. I'm making eight million. Eh, all right, I I got it. Good. God bless you. I salute. That's all what right, I mean. So like, I, what kind of a per- like? I look, you know. I'm all for being successful. I'm all for getting the biggest paycheck you can get. But, man, I don't know if I could. Uh, everywhere you go, everywhere he goes, there's got to be somebody calling him a dickhead, right? Like, everywhere you go, wherever you go, wherever he eats, everywhere he goes to have a drink. Anytime he goes on vacation, there's somebody there calling him an asshole. And, then, you know, I, I'm perfectly fine with the amount of money I make. I'm sure you are with the amount of money you make not to have that lifestyle. No, I'd like to make more money. I, listen, I, I was an idiot. I'd like to make more money. Yeah, I, but you're not you know, going to sell your soul to you. do it. <laughs> which he clearly has maybe, I know, maybe somebody offered me eight million i would have sold my soul what do i know <laughs> all, right, all right so uh so let's get down to the, to the nitty-gritty of three questions for mikey miss and we do this uh, on every podcast darren comes up with three questions i haven't heard the questions sometimes uh you can catch me off guard with them let's see what we can do this time well let's start with the obvious one so three questions today mike a couple of them are football related um you know i want want you to rank the four remaining quarterbacks Forget about uh, Mahomes' injury. Take that out of the equation. Just rank. Let's say they're all four healthy. Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts. It's a very easy question. Mahomes and Burrow. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I go Mahomes, Burrow, uh, Hurts, and obviously Purdy. I mean, I, it's pretty easy to rank Purdy fourth, isn't it? It is. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I kind of wanted to see where you were going to go with your top two there. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes uh, right now still to me uh, edge an edge uh, over Joe Burrow, and then uh, and then significant edge over Hurts at this point, even though Hurts has had a great season, uh, and then Purdy, and then well, we'll see how the kid does. I mean, this is this is really going to be a fun game to watch, interesting game, and a lot of Eagle fans I think are going to be on the edge for an entire game. This 49er team is really good, and they're gonna they're gonna prevent the Eagles from scoring like they score in the past. So. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right, three questions. Now, question number two, what do you got? All right, so Chris, question number two. Um, there are four 
rock-solid defensive players right now. Just in the last month, I want you to rank these four. Just the last month, Nick Bosa of the Niners, Micah Parsons of Dallas, Hassan Reddick, and uh, actually just rank those three. I just want you to rank those three. Hassan Reddick, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, very similar players, all three defensive player of the year candidates. But just rank them in the last month. What do you see? Uh, Parsons, Bosa, Reddick. Okay, fair. Why now? So it may be Reddick. Like if you're ranking them in the last month, Reddick gets the nod. I'm, th- I'm talking to like overall what what uh, all of those guys can do. I'm just talking last month because Parsons is all right. Yeah. Last month, probably Reddick first. Uh, Bosa, Parsons. See, I agree with you there, and I think that's a big. Big uh, thing to keep your eye on on Sundays. They, the two best defensive players in the league are going to be facing off as well on Sunday. A lot of really great matchups yeah. we're going to get into later in the week. Final question. I live my life like you by quoting movies. What are the two most quotable movies? Like how many quotes, like how many quotes per capita, <laughs> per line? Give me the two. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that question again? You and I spend a lot of time quoting movies. What yeah. two movies are the most quotable, like per movie? Like you've got the most lines that come out of each. Yeah, movie. Uh, Pulp Fiction, Midnight Run. Midnight Run, I agree with you on the one. All right, very good. That's three questions. <laughs> All right, uh, one uh, parting shot here as uh, we leave you for this particular podcast, and uh, we're gonna uh, be, be back at you a couple times uh, this week as we preview that NFC title game. Just like uh, it's it's similar to what we did to, uh, when the Phillies were making this run to the World Series, we we wanted to uh, touch base with you almost every day here. Uh, so uh, my parting shot is this commercial that's getting a lot of hate right now because it's uh, it's on a lot now. My buddy Andrew Brain, who doesn't say anything about anything, even criticized it. And he's, he doesn't criticize anybody, but he's criticizing this commercial because it's just on all the time. And it's the Verizon commercial with Cecily Strong and Paul Giamatti where he's playing Einstein. And in this commercial, he says, brilliant. Now, what commercial did that remind you of? Because it's kind of a ripoff of an older popular commercial. What, bring it? what was it? Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Oh, that's the Guinness commercials. Brilliant. That is correct. Yes. The Guinness commercial. They, they, just, they just copied the Guinness commercial. Yeah, we go, brilliant. <laughs> it was a classic commercial probably about 25 years ago at this point. And they're thinking that people would forget. Jimani's ripping off the Guinness commercial by going, being Einstein, going brilliant. Oh, the writers are, yes. But yeah, those are great commercials, by the way, those Guinness commercials. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the Guinness commercial was a great commercial. All right, folks. Thank you for listening. Podcast episode number 44. Thanks to the great Ross Tucker for joining us. Hope you got some insights with that. Uh, this is the week of preparation. Another NFC title game at home. This one is. And the Eagles, one win away from a Super Bowl. It's hard to believe. One team goes to the World Series. The other team goes to the Super Bowl. What, are you kidding me? This is this is like sports heaven, Scotty Rowland. This is sports heaven, you bastard. And I hope you don't get into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Have a great rest of the week. We'll be at you in a couple of days on the Mike Missinelli podcast. Don't forget to download that Bet Rivers app. They bring you this podcast. Download the app. I've been very successful. I took the Eagles in a walk last week to beat the Giants and cashed in on my Bet Rivers app. So download the app as you get ready for the NFL. Uh, 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 
conference championship games and uh, the chance to go to the Super Bowl. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to the Mike Bissonelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.